Dropping stats over beats It's the Fantasy Freestyle Always coming with the heat Yo, it's the Fantasy Freestyle We got strong takes and tips It's the Fantasy Freestyle You win championships At the Fantasy Freestyle Dropping stats over beats It's the Fantasy Freestyle Always coming with the heat It's the Fantasy Freestyle We got strong takes and tips At the Fantasy Freestyle You win championships you win With that Fantasy Freestyle, freestyle. Yeah, yeah know what it is this is ross this is speeds fantasy freestyle on the fantasy sports radio network we do this thing all the time we got them beats dropping stats over beats to make you win your league and win, win that cash yo rock say what's up to the people yo what's good everybody it's your boy rocks one young fist full of rings young lane kiffin with the paint dripping turn Woo! your head and your day missing i'm here with my boy speeds the spitting statistician you know that's a mouthful we're going to give you guys all you need to get ready for week nine. We've been doing this football thing for a minute, but we also, back when baseball was still popping in those regular season leagues, we were doing that fantasy Bo Jackson, that fantasy Deion Sanders, That's and right. doing both. And let's just let's just come back to baseball for a second, man. This was this was a glorious time for baseball. Yo, Ross and Speeds, we got to talk about this, what was historic game seven, I've, you know, on so many levels. What, uh, uh, if you listen to the shot call, Speed's Spitting Statistician has been talking about how Tito Francona has been managing the bullpen. And Joe Madden made a couple of crazy bullpen moves, bringing in Lester, using Chapman in game six. That was insane. That, I mean, you could argue that that could have cost them the entire series. Oh, it definitely could have because, you know, he didn't have it in game seven. But then, check this out. There was also a rain delay in extra innings of game seven of the World Series. You know what it reminded me of? There was so many instances where the baseball gods were at play here. I've been saying on shot callers that our oldest Chapman with his history, with his past and that DV nonsense, he, they, the baseball gods were going to not let him be the guy on the mound when the Cubs broke the series, so he gave it up. I also thought it was very interesting. Check this out. Uh, David Ross, you know, in his last ever old game, man, old David Ross. man, hits a home run to actually redeem himself because when he came in the game right away with Lester, he had a pass ball. Yep. He had a bad throw, but he redeems himself with a home run. I also thought in a similar situation, Rajai Davis, in that inning that the Cubs uh, scored early on, he, on a sack fly, had a high throw. And in that inning, he took a bad route to a ball that he could have made a play on in right center field. That allowed an extra run to score. He then redeems himself against the Roldis Chapman in the eighth inning. And that, that was, and that was, you know, if not, if that game had come out a little bit differently, that that would be the hit everyone was talking about Absolutely. instead of Zobris in the extra innings. And then check it out. Then on top of it, as we go to extra innings, the skies open up and we have a rain delay. It reminded me, Rox, remember uh, that this year when uh, A-Rod had that ceremony, you know, and his like oh, last and it was, game. It was and then it short. Started, yeah, and it exactly. Short. Yeah, yeah. I was like, uh-oh, what's going on now? And actually, I don't know if you saw this, but on the field when everybody was celebrating and whatnot after the Cubs actually won, they all, to a man, credited the rain delay and then credited Jason Hayward for being the team leader who brought the group together and inspired them to with, get that know, levy on that focus. Yeah, to get that focus, focus, focus. So very interesting. And you know, because um, Hayward wasn't really doing much with the bat all season. No, long. he's been a huge disappointment. Before we move on to to football, uh, this basically solidifies Theo Epstein Hall of Fame, right? I would say so. I mean, he in even essence, even though he dropped the f bomb on live TV. I mean, I think we won't be dropping any. F-bombs today, though. On the Don't Fantasy worry. Sports Radio Network, you no can't do F-bombs. That. No, um, no. Seven I do words you can't say on radio. Hit that dump button. I do think that, um, yeah, Theo's got to be Hall of Fame. He's, um, you know, broken two curses now, which is absolutely ridiculous. The two franchises in the major leagues that were starved for a championship the most. Add Theo Epstein a few years later, you get a World Series championship, so absolutely. But here's the thing. I do want to bring this up as we maybe transition to football a little bit. Rocks, we don't want no F-bombs here. We also, I don't know if you saw on live TV last week in that Buffalo game where there was a giant... Um, Sex toy? Yeah, I guess. I was going to call it a dildo. But there was that on the field and there was like some a fan threw it on the field. And that, what was it? Was it, uh, was it thrown by a Buffalo fan? 
Because they're not, know. they're known to be rowdy. Was that a comment on? I don't know what it was a comment, comment on, on the defense taking a step. Back. I don't know what it was a comment on. Maybe it was a comment on holding or illegal hands or you know a false start. I don't know what that was used, but it was a penalty on so many levels. Yo, check it out. Uh, you gotta clean it up, man. There's kids watching. I know when when I grew up. I don't want Hillary sports. Clinton running an ad against me in fancy freestyle. Oh man, no, no, we don't want that. Get out and vote, though, people. Yeah, regardless of which candidate you support, Hillary Clinton, you should definitely vote Hillary Clinton. It's really, really important. It's a right that we have as Americans. Vote for Hillary Clinton, or at least don't vote for Donald Trump. And uh, and yeah, that's that that's that's our official take on the fancy freestyles that you should vote. Um, yo, moving on. Uh, you know. I wasn't really sure how many people around the country know that uh, that a sex toy, a dildo, as you called it, it's not a term I'm familiar with. Uh, yeah. What is that? What is <laughs> that? What is that? Google it. Google it. Was thrown on the field in Buffalo. Did you know that the MLS playoffs are currently happening? And for our listeners out there, MLS stands for Major League Soccer. It's kind of a play. Oh, it's Major like League the football. Baseball. It's like the football. Yeah, it's the the, the Europeans. Um, no, I don't know if there was anything being thrown on the field, but there will be a. New York City playoff game at Yankee Stadium this Sunday, so I'm excited about that. But does it make sense for for MLS just trying desperately to grow their grow their product in the U.S. by going up against the NFL on Sundays and the World Series at no. the same time? Even it's just poor scheduling, and even within soccer, they have that weird, different designated player time when they're on loan. They're off. Their schedule is different from the rest of Europe. I don't know MLS. I don't know if they've gotten it right, but it's hard when your season runs for something like 40 weeks of the calendar year. But yo, 40 weeks of the NFL, of uh, the MLS year. Wouldn't it be great if there were 40 weeks of fantasy football? I don't know. But um, you, you'd see careers get a lot shorter, I but think. But that's okay. Um, the NFL does not care about player safety as we know. But we are in like the middle of the fantasy football season, right? So this is really that time where teams are starting to make moves. You identify if you are a contender or a pretender. The buys are starting to get yep. involved. There's yep. more and more injuries. It's you know, it's a violent game, those, the NFL. Those chickens are coming home to roost. And, you know, one of the things I would say is that we mentioned, you know, fantasy baseball. Fantasy baseball is a marathon. Um, fantasy football is a sprint. It's a week-to-week game. It's over before you know it. And you need to adapt quickly. And you also need to know, particularly, of course, in those keeper and dynasty leagues, if you're going to be a buyer or a seller. And making that decision is one that can have serious long-term ramifications and is not one that should be taken lightly. Speeds. You and I were just talking about this. I became a seller in our long-term sure. keeper league. Sure. You know, I'm on the outside looking in. My team doesn't have the upside, and I moved what was a key piece. But I really think that making that decision when you're a buyer or seller needs to be done when you are able to set the market. You, the last thing you want to do is be scrambling to find a partner, you know, when everyone else is all coupled up at the end of the night. And, the, sure. and you also don't want to wind up watching your studs, the, the, the pieces you're going to trade for greater value get hurt because as you said it's a violent game and over the 16 game season you know I, I just really feel like it's a tough decision but if you're going to do it you got to go all in and jump on it what are your thoughts about that? absolutely i mean my thought about it is very very simple and we say it all the time here on the fantasy freestyle is know your settings and know your league all right and that includes when the trading deadline is have an honest evaluation of yourself feel like you know what you need to do and then just make it happen when we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to go and give you our spotlight game coverage for week nine of the NFL season. We're going to stick to football moving forward, although Rocks may have some more endorsements as we move forward. We're going to tell you who we endorse, who we fade, who to sit, who to start. And then later on, we're going to give you those diamonds, those game flow geniuses and them fantasy fugazies. Forget about it. Yo, Rocks and Speeds, fantasy freestyle on the fantasy sports radio network. <laughs> we'll be back. Playoffs? Let's talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. 
Haha, <laughs> you know what it is. Rocks and speeds in the place to be. It's the fantasy freestyle. We dropping stats over beats. Hope you keep bobbing your head, making you stay so fly as you get informed and have everything you need to win your league and win, win that cash. This is Rocks and Speeds. You're listening to us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. But check it out, Rocks. There's so many ways they can hear the fantasy freestyle, yo. Not only can they hear it on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, but uh, they could just subscribe on iTunes. They could do that. Yo, do you know that, that we're on Google Play these days? Yo, they can get us on Google Play. They can get us on Stitcher. You know about Stitcher? I've, I've heard about it. To tell you the truth, I don't really know about it. I don't know too much about these platforms, but I do know that we know how to give them the information they need to win their leagues and win that cash. Let's get into some of the more interesting games going on in the league this week. We're in week nine right now, Speed. We've talked a lot about teams that are coming out of their buys. Mm -hmm. We've talked a lot about teams that are on their buys. So Mm -hmm. fantasy players really, really need to adjust. We're going to give you maybe a couple of guys in some of these games that you might consider picking up and some of these guys that you might not think it, but you'd want to sit for this week. Let's start with the Dallas-Cleveland matchup. Dallas looking pretty good. Cleveland not looking so good. I feel really bad for Cleveland. I kind of hope that J.R. Smith shows up at this game and takes his shirt off just so the Browns could win one this week. Now, they used up all their karma. It didn't work for the Indians. It didn't work for the... It's not going to work for the Browns. Hey, if we do it with Washington, can we call it the Cleveland baseball team? Sure, we can definitely do that. The Cleveland Cleveland baseball baseball team. You heard it here first. Because they're even like more caricatures than even the Washington football team. Yeah, but I think the Washington football team like uses a slur, whereas the Cleveland baseball team uses kind of like more of an agreed upon term. Either way, they're both wrong and we're against them. Yo, has Dallas supplanted Minnesota over the last couple weeks as the best team in the NFC? Um, you know, it would tend to look that way. Minnesota really struggling with their offensive line. It looked like um, having Jake Long off the street to play left tackle, making that Chicago Bears defense on Monday Night Football look like the old monsters of the midway. So I think that's a problem that, you know, when we talk about on Fantasy Freestyle, we say that that's something that's not going to change all season long. I remember we talk about that with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. We talk about that with Russell Wilson and Seattle. And it looks like Sam Bradford and the Minnesota Vikings are in the same situation. So despite their championship caliber defense, I do think that that is a problem that Minnesota has. On the flip side, the Dallas Cowboys just keep on winning and they have what is what has to be the easiest non-conference road game you really can have to deal with in week nine. So, um, yeah, I think right now if you had to make some kind of power rankings, it would be Dallas on top in the NFC, but there's other teams that are still serious contenders. When you look at teams like Green Bay, you look at teams like Seattle, you even look at teams still like Philly in their own division. You have to stay Minnesota still in there. Um, you know, and then there's somebody in the South as well, whether that be Atlanta or a revival in Carolina. Yep, yeah. And one of the things before we get into a little more about this Cleveland and Dallas game is you mentioned Jake Long signed off the street. Yep. You always hear about NFL free agents being signed off the street. When is the league going to take seriously this the homelessness? Idea? This, so, this many, homelessness. so many of their former players immediately homeless on and the street there's what are they doing pull-ups on the stop sign uh, you, know. you know on, on, on the, the don't walk the don't walk sign scaffolding. the scaffolding you know just uh, it, it's terrible and honestly you know i i just hope i never run into any of these former players on the street immediately after that they've retired or been cut uh, it, it's a terrible thing I, goodell we're looking at you you need to address this yeah, um, doesn't care about player safety now if you want to crown them then crown their ass but they are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook they don't at all. You're gonna see. Uh, you're gonna see Ezekiel Elliott completely feast in this one. Um, Cleveland cannot stop the run. They also cannot stop the pass. Speeds. Ezekiel Elliott's averaging 20 carries a game. Dallas, regardless of whether they think they're the best or second best or third best team in the NFC, they're looking poised to make a playoff run this year. For sure. Do you think that Dallas at some point is gonna is gonna pull the reins back on him, possibly handcuffing owners in the fantasy? playoffs and is this any sort of deal too where you look at like an innings limit for a pitcher do you take that into consideration at all with running backs for a guy like Zeke no in fact if you remember in our preseason 
episode, I actually said that I thought Zeke would tote the rock this year uh, 300 times. And you were like, that's crazy. That would be silly. They would never use him up that way. And I said, watch, watch what happens. And it looks like so far that has been the case. Zeke um, last week, 22 carries. That is not, you know, and that's not abnormal for him. And I think they are riding this new offense. That's the way they are doing it. Trying to do it like it was 2014 with DeMarco Murray. The one th- only player I want to talk about on the Cleveland side is a returning Corey Coleman. Okay, this is a guy who uh, was compared to people like Percy Harvin. This is a guy who the last time he was on a football field, he scored two touchdowns. It's a ridiculous game. He went off in that game and he broke his arm in practice, he right? He broke his hand in practice in that practice? week. So nobody ever really knew about it and he, um, he is back after five or six weeks on the shelf and I think it couldn't be a minute too soon. I actually think in this game, while I agree the Cowboys will win this game, I do not think they cover the road seven and a half points that they are a favorite. I think Cleveland is a scrappy team at home. I think non-conference road games are tough to win and also a lot of the times when the Browns were looking at utterly pathetic this year, it was with guys like Charlie Whitehurst and Kevin Hogan as their quarterback. Josh McCown or Cody Kessler are both upgrades upgrades. and I think um, when you have Terrell Pryor and now returning Coleman, you may have the ability to have a close, uh, closer game than most people think. Yo, and speeds. Coleman is only owned right now in 50% of Yahoo leagues. You might want to just go out and pick him up right now. This is a kid, as you said, who flashed before he got hurt. First no one really, pick. no one really had a chance to pick him up because he was hurt. You didn't know what the time frame was from coming back. Looking like he is back, and he'll be playing with either Kessler or McCown, who are better options than some of the other RG3s, Hogan's of the world. One thing I'll just say real quick: Dallas is tough on running backs. They've only allowed 75 yards on the ground once this season to Darren Sproles of all people. I'm fading Isaiah Crowell only 140 yards since last four games. I don't really love Johnson but he can produce in that garbage time that may allow Cleveland to come back and cover the spread as a desperation flex play or even as an RB2 if you gotta do it, you gotta do it. Moving on, let's go from their speeds to this Philadelphia Eagles New York Giants divisional rivalry game. Yeah, for sure. On the Giants side of things, I actually think they're coming off the bye, which really have to just focus on is um, who in the running back rotation steps up. I think that's the thing I'm going to want to be looking at. If you remember that last game they had in uh, London, Rashad Jennings, when he came back, he has still not been doing it in his last game. 13 carries for 25 yards. They've been slowly bringing in Paul Perkins. Remember, this is a theme you're going to hear me talking about all episode here on the Fantasy Freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Paul Perkins last week, or the game before the bye, got four carries, 12 yards, but also um, that's more than, you know, he's been getting the whole rest of the time. That's more than Bobby Rainey got. It looked like that Bobby Rainey role that he had for two or three weeks is now gone. And as a team, they only had 20 carries for 36 yards. So I'm very interested to see what shakes out in the running back room when it comes to the Giants off the bye. I think they may integrate the rookie and it'll also be interested to see who gets more targets going forward between Cruz and Shepard. So far, Shep, as you like to call him, has 48 targets to Victor Cruz's 41. So I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with the Giants because I think the true story is about to emerge with them on offense. I really actually, you know, I don't like either of the Giants' secondary wide receivers. Shep has seen seven or eight targets in every game since week two. He hasn't actually cleared 32 yards since week three. Cruz, on the other hand, doesn't have a touchdown since week one and doesn't have more than five catches in a game all season. You've seen, you know, you've seen the, the squeaky wheel get the grease. You've seen the squeaky wheel have an extended romance with net. a kicking net, you know, and, and I think, you know, Odell Beckham, whether you like him or you hate him, is clearly the alpha dog in this offense. He says he's 85% healthy. Odell Beckham, even at 85%, should be able to eat against a tough Philadelphia defense that's legit good. But true wide receiver ones, that's Antonio Brown, that's Dez, who I'm going to get into a little bit later, have had good weeks against them, and he's basically been back to normal after the early season slump. He's seen at least eight targets in every game, and he's averaging 90 yards a game. And you can trust him and fire him up as a high-end wide receiver one in this one. 
Alright, alright. Yo, let's keep it moving, yo. Let's go to this Pittsburgh Baltimore game divisional matchup. AFC North. Rivalry week. Uh, rivalry week. Rivalry and week. And obviously the big question here is if Big Ben Roethlisberger comes back. You know, we were talking about it when he got hurt and I mentioned to you that he likes to come back early. He likes to play and he only missed one game, it looks like, after knee surgery. For <laughs> you know, which is crazy. But taking advantage after the bye, he's been practicing all week and is slated to go. Would you be concerned about him in his return or do you think him and Le'Veon and A.B. you know, immediately reignite their chemistry I, and know, start moving the ball for Pittsburgh? I, I think, first of all, if 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 T-Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, says he knows Ben Roethlisberger is going to play, that's good enough for me. Ben Roethlisberger is going to play. I think Ben is going to play. And no, completely not. I think that that offense is humming when he is in there at the controls. They actually did all right with Landry Jones, but he's, to use a, a phrase from years past, he's the straw that stirs the drink. And he raises everybody's floor and gives every skilled player in that offense a much, much higher ceiling. What I want to say is Le'Veon Bell killing it. Le'Veon Bell, when he starts scoring touchdowns, watch out he if still you're a hasn't team. Scored a touchdown. Watch out if you're a team in your league that does not have Le'Veon Bell. He's averaging about 150 total yards, accounting for 38% of the Steelers' yards mm-hmm. since he's More been back. More than Johnson for Arizona. By man, he has at least five catches in all four of his starts. The Ravens are really, really tough against the run. I don't think it matters at all. Le'Veon Bell is a beast. I was really skeptical about spending a first-round pick on him, thinking you need to spend too much to also handcuff him with uh, with Williams, D'Angelo Williams, but he's so far proven owners who were willing to take that risk correct with a savvy strategy. One other thing I want to mention real quick on the Pittsburgh side, Yo, look, the Darius Green is yeah. practicing again. Might come out of the cold, dark, quiet room, even though it was never formally stated that that's where he was. They said it was an ankle, but he might be back in business, and yo, that would be a very interesting target to add to the mix for Big Ben and that Pittsburgh offense, no? Yeah, I mean, and just more so, you know, with, with, with all of the uncertainties surrounding it, we talked about it in the pre, in, you know, in the preseason. Is it an ankle? Is it bad repeated concussions? It's just nice to see him ramping up football activity, so tip of the cap to Ladarius Green. I uh, hope you get back on the field, and we'll see. I wouldn't pick him up before this game. He may still be a week away, but definitely a player that you want to watch. Later on, later on in the show, we're also going to get a little bit into that Baltimore Ravens backfield. We may make a gentleman's bet. We may have a diamond. We may have a fugazi. Stay tuned for that. What's the next game you want to hit up in our spotlight for Week 9, Rox? Yo, let's talk real quick a little bit about that Detroit-Minnesota game. Sure, the big sure. news here is that Norv Turner has stepped down. The team is doing well. The offense, you know, they got backups. They got new guys. As you're going to mention, you know, the, the line is, or you mentioned previously, I should say, the line is complete trash. Signing homeless players off the street doesn't make any sense. You'd assume that would cut him some slack. Um, Norv Turner, though, gone. I was always I was always bored by Norv Turner. My main memory of him will probably always be when he replaced the Naughty Rotten Rhymer, Marty Schottenheimer, on that on that San Diego Chargers team with Danian Tomlinson and the team poised to win some Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Pat Schumer takes over as the interim coordinator. You know, I think it's gonna the offense is gonna probably remain the same. He's been the tight ends coach. I don't think that they're gonna depart from being a run first offense. What I do want to say is on the other side of the ball, talking about coaches. You know, we gotta talk about that Jim, Jim Bob Cooter. Cooter. Speed, you've been high on Jim Bob Cooter all year. Detroit, though, middle of the pack in points scored per game, twenty first in in yards per game. You know, you want to convince me that they're gonna make they're gonna make they're gonna be able to move the ball against Minnesota? They're gonna do some damage this week? Or we fade him? Or we fade in Detroit? We fading Jim Bob Cooter? Um, listen, these are uh, two of the big philosophical things I've been talking about all season long, um, and that is one Jim Bob Cooter in that offense. But on the other side, the Minnesota Vikings defense and Xavier Rhodes, right, keeping them the bumpy roads. So here's the thing: here's where these conflict. The beauty of the Jim Bob Cooter offense is that they have not been keying on one wide receiver ever since the retirement of Megatron, right? And 
This happened last week. Listen, the targets were spread around last week. Matthew Stafford went 27 for 41, 240 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Doesn't seem like a crazy game. But look, Ebron, 10 targets. Theo Riddick, 11 targets. Golden Tate, 9 targets. Marvin Jones, 7 targets. He will spread the ball around, hoping to avoid Xavier Bumpy Rhodes. And if you remember, because Rox, I know you do because you like uh, Alshon Jeffrey so much. As soon as they took Bumpy Rhodes off of uh, Alshon Jeffrey last week, you saw him change that production. So outside of Bumpy Rhodes, I do think Jim Bob Cuda will be able to scheme away and find a way to be productive. Because also, I do not think that uh, Minnesota can score. I think their offensive line is a big problem. Last person I'll mention in this game is, yo, it is good to see Theo Riddick back. Riddick. Riddick, you wind up dead. He is an all-purpose beast yet again going for 11 carries, 56 yards, adding 8 catches for 77 yards and a receiving tug. You mentioned about Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. Yo, Theo Riddick might be the best back in the NFL out of the backfield. I like him starting with confidence. Yeah, Minnesota's been getting smoked by pass-catching backs uh, all year pretty much. They're going to be without probably Eric Hendricks, who has a concussion. He's great against the pass, not so much against the run this season. One other thing I want to say to kind of tie it all together. You mentioned the retirement of Calvin Johnson, Megatron. If Megatron were to be signed by a team, would Megatron be signed off the street or would he at least be able to be signed out of a mansion? No, no, no. He wouldn't be on caught on the street, yo. He knows better than that. Yo, check it out. When we come back, what we're going to do is we're going to go into our flagship segments. We're going to give you our game flow geniuses. We're going to give you our diamonds in the rough, and we're going to give you our fantasy foogazies. Forget about it, yo. That's what we're going to do. Keep it with us. Keep bobbing your head. As soon as you come back, we'll be dropping more stats over beats. It's the Fantasy Freestyle here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. You heard? I cannot play with them. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. Can't do it. That's a fugazi. How do you know it's a fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. Why is it fake? Okay, I know what a fugazi is. Yo, welcome back. It's your boy Rocks hanging with my man Speeds, the spitting statistician, bringing you that fantasy freestyle on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're about to go into a block we call our flagship segments. That means our game flow geniuses, our diamonds in the rough, and our fantasy fugazies. Forget about them. Yo. Hey, yo, Speeds, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put the ball in your court. No NBA. Where you wanna take this? Let's start with our game flow geniuses, yo. Let's start with our game flow geniuses um, like we do a lot of times. Check this out. I like this Green Bay Indianapolis game. I like that game. I like the game. You know, my game flow genius. I like that first game. uh, Highest total on the board, okay, is the Indianapolis Colts and the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, for a few weeks in a row, have had uh, the top three run defense, you know, and a lot of teams are not trying to run on them. The, the, The funny part is Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts, they're not trying to run anyway, okay? The way to attack the Colts is, I mean, excuse me, the way to attack the Packers is through the air. And now, with T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett and Jack Doyle, not Jack Bauer, but Jack Doyle, um, I think Andrew Luck, it's one of those games where you're going to want to get the aggregate, and because you're not going to know who it is that's going to pop off, you want to get the aggregate. I think this is going to be a game in the high 20s, in the low 30s, with both of them going back and forth, able to move the ball and score. For that, give me Andrew Luck as my game flow genius. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Who you got as a game flow genius? As of right now, it's looking like Shark Kendrick West, a formerly formerly the Sharknado as we called him, will be uh, will be taking over for Spencer Ware yep. in the Chiefs' backfield. Uh, also, Nick Foles is going to be playing quarterback for the Chiefs in this one. And basically, I feel like. 
Nick Foles is going to be asked to play the Alex Smith role, which is where his primary goal is going to be to not lose the game for them. That's going to mean turning the ball, turning around and handing the ball to Shark Kendrick West. Even with Foles behind center, uh, the Chiefs are heavily favored in this game. The line actually only moved one point, which I feel is like a real diss to Alex Smith. I feel you, Alex Smith. You're not as bad as they say. Um, but Jacksonville's just not a very good team. They're not scoring points. They're not playing defense. And I think that the Chiefs should not have much trouble shutting down that offense. Totally out of sync. Blake Bortles at the helm going back to Bortles service from years past. Not really doing anything. Bringing down the value of his wide receivers. I think you're going to be able to see a ton of running attempts. Sure, Kendrick West may push 25 touches in this game. I think a lot of them will be in the second half with the Chiefs winning. The main thing to look at here is likely with nowhere with Jamal Charles going back under the knife. Who is he? I don't even know. Did they bring back Christian Okoye to be the backup running back? You know, uh, Barry Word maybe? I have absolutely no idea who the Chiefs even have behind them. They're a team that needs to win all of their games. They're not going to be playing any games here. Look for Sharkandrick West to handle a ton of touches in a game the Chiefs will win handily, and he's my game flow genius. Speed, you said you got another one for me? I do, I do. Let me ask you real quick about that game. The Chiefs are eight and a half point favorites in that game. They are at home, right? But they are playing their backup quarterback and their backup running back. You could even argue their third string running back. Sure, sure. Against a Jaguars team that fired its offensive coordinator, gave up, it looked like, in their last game, and, you know, is straight trash, homie. So, do you think they can cover an eight and a half point spread? Um, I'm not a gambling man until I make bets, but I like Kansas City to have a two-score lead mm -hmm. for a lot of this game. One thing Blake Bortles has proven in his career is he's Mr. Garbage Time. I would not be surprised if you saw the Jacksonville Jaguars mount some sort of furious two-score comeback in the fourth quarter to screw up that bet for people who All are right. looking for the Chiefs. Backdoor I, I, cover. I, you know, I, I could certainly see it. I don't, you know, it's, it's going to be one of those situations where you'll drive yourself crazy because it's what Bortles has basically shown he can do in his career. You look at the splits, he's thrown more touchdowns in the fourth quarter uh, than any other quarter, and it's by a very, very wide margin. It's true, and in fantasy though, whether it be fantasy freestyle, the fantasy sports radio network, or fantasy sports in general, that garbage time it matters. Counts. And Blake Bortles is at it again. Yo, my second game flow genius, listen, the team that I think has dominated game flow the most, and this is going to surprise you in the entire NFL, is the Tennessee Titans. We've been talking about this exotic smash mouth all season long. It has really been a thing. And I'm telling you, I actually you heard it here first, or maybe you heard it on Shot Callers where I called my shot. The Tennessee Titans, I think, are going to win the AFC South. And this is a great test of the theory that style makes fight. That they can do this against anybody. They are playing the San Diego Chargers in San Diego. One thing we know about San Diego, they throw the ball. Sure and do. Phillip Rivers is going to throw the ball. Another thing we know about the San Diego Chargers, their games are close, right? They've always been close. They lose a lot of games close. They've now finally got a big win against Atlanta. Advertisers love the San Diego Chargers. It's true. It's true. It's true. Keep Lock. those eyes glued to the screen. Yeah, exactly. They should just be flexed into Sunday Night Football every <laughs> week. At least you'll get a good game. But here's what I think is going to happen. I actually think two things about this game. One is my game flow genius. I think the Titans style are going to win that fight. I think this game is going to be a low scoring game not what people expect out of Phillip Rivers and for that my game flow genius this week is Derek Henry okay Derek Henry is my game flow genius they've said that he's earned more carries even at the beginning of the season we were saying as the year goes along we are now into November they are going to try to run the ball and do it big and the time the reason is because they're going to utilize both of these running backs and for me that means the value is Derek Henry. He's coming off a good game. 16 carries, 60 yards, and a touchdown. I think his role grows in a game that Tennessee wants to keep close against San Diego and low scoring. I also think that'll keep it within the five and a half points this game opened at as a line. I like Tennessee this week, and my game flow genius is Derek Henry as his role.
Mahomes starts to grow in that offense. I like that, Speeds, and I completely agree with you. It's looking like Murray is going to play. However, they've been talking all season about Henry needing to earn more carries, and, and then they finally so. said they finally said this week that he has earned more carries. Moving from our geniuses to our diamonds, because smart people deserve nice things. My first diamond in the rough this week, I'm going to double up on Devontae Booker. I was on him last week, as oh, were okay. you, Speeds. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. both liked him last week. He had an uneven game uh, in a real-life perspective. He left a lot of yards on the field, could have scored another touchdown and put the ball on the ground. But from fantasy, he paid his bills with a touchdown and a couple of receptions. As such, his price has moved up in the fan duel, our official pricing and rating of the agency. Fantasy freestyle. You know, exactly. You know, they're basically our SP, our Moody's when it comes to prices. Um, he's 7000 this year. But listen, what I really, really like is that he is going to be playing a really, really bad Oakland Raiders defense sure. this week. And, you know, as you're going to hear me go into, I really think that you are going to see the quarterback struggle, Trevor Simeon, struggle in what's a good matchup. I think their best chance of moving the ball is going to be on the ground with Devontae Booker. They clearly want him on the field, even though he was banged up last week with a shoulder injury. They kept him in the game. They kept giving him touches. What we like to see for our running backs is opportunity. He is clearly the guy right now. I think he's going to get more than 18 points on the fan duel this week. I think you're going to see a couple of explosive runs falling forward. He's going to get in the end zone to go with just enough receiving work to complement that and help him be my diamond in the rough. Devontae Booker, 7,000 on FanDuel. Get it. Shine bright like a diamond. Rocky, you brought up, uh, there's so many things I want to respond to. First of all, it's interesting that you're attacking that Oakland Raiders defense. In the last two weeks in a row, I have stacked DFS against the Oakland Raiders pass defense that was 32nd in the league. Last week, that meant Jameis Winston and Mike Evans. The week before that, it meant Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson. And interestingly enough, neither one of them actually popped off for me. And somehow, Oakland is still the 32nd ranked uh, pass defense and overall defense. The other thing that uh, you brought up to me is you mentioned that uh, last week you and me both agreed on Devontae Booker. Last week, we did not agree on Alshon Jeffrey, and that was our gentleman's bet. And for the second week in a row, that's another one in the speeds, the spin statistician column by a mere like 10 yards. I think we had over under 75 yeah, yards, and he finished with 60-something. He finished with 64 yards. He did get a touchdown, but that was not part of our bet. Shame on me. Let's make it points-based moving forward. I'm going to let speeds get to his diamonds in a second. I will say I still think Alshon is a decent buy low right now. Positive touchdown regression is coming his way. You saw it start last week. But Speeds, yo, who are the diamonds? Who sure. who, who are going to people, they're going to they're hold the light this week, up this to week. the ice, For and sure. it's going it's to twinkle and glisten. Shine bright. Uh, I actually think uh, you're going to like this one, Ross, because I know you're a Saints fan, so my first diamond in the rough for week nine is Tim Hightower, okay? Last week, and you as a Saints fan know this very well, um, Mark Ingram fumbled and did not see the field again for the most part. Shocking. Also, I've been talking about for weeks that he's been middling along with things like 15 carries and 50 yards and, and not really finding the end zone. They also have said that Tim Hightower now has earned more carries and here's the catch. This is why it's a diamond. You look, you look at their playing the San Francisco 49ers. You know, you mentioned attacking that Oakland Raiders defense. Um, the San Francisco 49ers rush defense is like nothing we've ever seen. Um, the San Francisco run defense gives up 185 yards a game on the ground. That is 32nd in the league. Wait, are, are you sure that's not a typo? Yo, the 31st ranked run defense is the Cleveland Browns. 144 yards a game? They give up. <laughs> they give Yo, up I got Brown sticks. 144 yards. I got that Brown sticks. 40 yards less. Yeah, that's, the, that's a gap of 40 yards. Not, are you kidding that's me? Not, that's not, that's so not good. So here's the deal. The Saints are switching running backs and allowing this guy the opportunity to 
even go against a historically bad run defense. Opportunity is knocking. Tim Hightower shine bright like a diamond. He's my diamond for week nine. Yo, Speeds, I think he's a great play this week if you ha- if you were lucky enough to scoop him on the waiver wire or you had him. What I will say, though, do you think he's going to out-touch Mark Ingram or you think that he's a viable play regardless? I think he's a viable play regardless, and here's why. You know, it's interesting. The flip side, one of the things this could be is also just a way to try to motivate Mark Ingram. You know, like talk him up sufficiently, embarrass him by benching him, then know that he's about to play against the worst defense and then right. ride Mark Ingram. Then all of a sudden his confidence is, is sky back. High. Then it looks great, but no, I think this is Tim Hightower. I um, I like Tim Hightower to and be this, getting And the Saints, are, the Saints are favored on the road in this one, but yep, I believe four it's and a half points. four and a half points. So there should be carries for both of them, and you saw Hightower being trusted to salt away a much tougher game against the Seattle defense that is not giving up 180 plus yards no, uh, game second diamond in the rough this week, bro? Uh, my second diamond in the rough is uh, is Desi Dez. Oh, Dez snap. Bryant. I was listening to Speeds. I was listening to you the other day talking yeah, yeah. about him on uh, on Shot Callers on, on the, the Fantasy, Fantasy Sports, Sports Radio, Radio Network. Network. I thought you were actually finally going to say some nice things about the man that he no, was sitting down not. on. You, you gave him a little credit. You gave him a little credit, but then you uh, you bashed him and called him a diva and did all this other uh, did all this other stuff, throwing salt on the man's name. He's actually at seventy. $800. He's the sixth most expensive wide receiver on FanDuel, but I love him in a matchup against a terrible, terrible Cleveland Browns pass defense. It's not just their running defense that's bad, folks. Their pass defense is blunt guts trash. Also, they've given up 19 touchdowns through the air. Dez is probably the top touchdown threat in the red zone of any wide receiver. Probably anyone not named Rob Gronkowski, him of the career owner of 69 Touchdown. You know what it is, baby. Uh, Dak actually finally showed some trust in him last week. He had a great touchdown catch uh, from about 25 yards out, not even in the red zone, essentially throwing up a jump ball and trusting that Dez was going to come down with it. He's never lacked for the my ball mentality, and it's good to see that the rookie is showing some of the same trust that Tony Romo has had in him. I think Dallas is going to live in the red zone in this one. I think Dez is an extreme solid bet for a touchdown. He might not see double-digit targets again, and that's been a concern all season, but he will make every target he gets in this one count. I like him to post more than 17 points on FanDuel with the opportunity for a lot more, and to me, that makes him a diamond this week. Alright, alright. My next diamond in the rough, this is someone you need to look at because I have been telling you about stashing him all season long, and I think this is the game we finally see a breakout out of Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon? Yes, yes, yes. I like Kenneth Dixon in this divisional matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, we all expect, apparently, Big Ben to come back, and that means the triplets will be reunited. They will find a way to score against any defense, including the Baltimore Ravens. You've said it um, yourself. The way to beat the Ravens is not with the run between the tackles, but with the pass, right? The way to beat the Steelers? The way to beat the Steelers is not with the run between the tackles, but but in, you know, over the top or with the pass, right? And so I think that Terrence West is actually kind of on his way down. His last game was against the Jets. Granted, the Jets um, are, you know, the best run defense in the NFL. But coming off the bye, this is where, you know, teams start to integrate something new. This is where a young guy starts to get his footing. Traditionally, especially running backs start to do better at the tail end of the season. That's especially why I'm giving you as a diamond. I'm giving you Derrick Henry. It's also why here I'm giving you Kenneth Dixon. And I think, especially in what is a fierce divisional matchup and divisional rivalry, they are going to introduce new players who the Steelers have yet to see. And that includes Kenneth Dixon. I think Kenneth Dixon is going to be kind of a new toy and a new weapon for Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens moving forward starting this week. We've been talking about him for weeks. This is the week he comes out of the bubble 
Borat He's my diamond in the rough For week 9 Yo Speeds I think you just We talked about Me losing A couple weeks back uh, Terrence West On a gentleman's bet Sure For me it would be kind of It would be kind of sweet To flip the script on this And okay. win a gentleman's bet You want to go back to Terrence West I want to No I want to talk to you About Kenneth Dixon Okay what Yo, you got Yo we saw We saw the Steelers Who as we both noted Are uh, are definitely a team That's been attacked Through the air They got gashed By LeGarrette Blunt In the last game That they played Terrence West is Kind of a LeGarrette Blunt, a younger, slightly more handsome LeGarrette Blunt. At least okay, that's, if you that's say what he so passed the blunt. That's what he tells himself when he looks in the mirror. I can only imagine. So we're talking about Kenneth Dixon. We're talking about. We're talking West. about. We're talking about. We're talking about what Kenneth Dixon. About Dixon. I don't know. What do you think Dixon's gonna pop for this week? Give me some numbers. Give me some numbers. Um, I think Dan, I, I think Kenneth Dixon will score ten points in PPR fantasy. You think he'll score ten points? You think he's gonna outscore Terrence West? I think he'll score ten points in PPR fantasy. Ten points in PPR. In PPR fantasy. Ah. Uh, yeah, I'll take that. I'll All take right, that. He wants to go back to the Baltimore Ravens running back position for his gentleman's bet, and he's got a deal. Me and Rock, speeds and rocks, week nine. That's a gentleman's bet. Hey, gentleman's bet over here. Hey, Rock's the gentleman. Now that we've talked about our diamonds, you know what the inverse is. We got to let them know who are our fantasy fugazis. Forget about it. Hey, Rocks, who's your first fugazi? Yo, this nine? actually may be the first time that I've ever had... Two Fugazis at the same position in the same game. Oh, he's giving you clues. He's giving you hints. I'm giving, giving you, you hints. I bet it's one of the lowest over-under totals on the board. You're probably right about that. My Fugazi, my first Fugazi for this week is Derek Carr. Mm. 7,700 on fan duel. Mm. Sixth in fantasy points per game. Sporting a ridiculous 17-3 to touchdown down to interception rate. He's supporting two wide receivers. He's coming off a game where he broke the Raiders passing record going for plus 500 yards and four touchdowns. So why is he a Fugazi? That Denver defense and those cornerbacks on either side that are going to lock down Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper. You've got that speed. Also, I honestly think the way the Raiders have been playing, they're at home this week. Maybe that's going to be harder for them. They've had such mojo on the road. They've had such such, such mojo on the road. Including back-to-back wins in the Eastern time zone. Exactly. You know, but there's something to be said for Denver allowing only 184 yards per game in the air. That's the best in the league. Carr completely struggled for yards. The only two times he's had top 10 matchups against teams with passing defenses like that in Baltimore and Jacksonville struggled to reach just 200 yards in each game, though the caveat is he did throw four TDs against Baltimore. Denver is not going to allow him to throw four TDs. Chris Harris and Bradley Roby are going to lock it down. It's looking extremely unlikely that Talib plays. I think they're going to be okay otherwise. Last year when these two teams matched, up car was outside the top 20 quarterbacks in both matchups crabtree and cooper could not get anything going on the outside and for me that means you got to forget about him this week he's going to finish outside of the top 10 quarterbacks and is not nearly worth the 7700 dollars they're charging on FanDuel. that's a fugazi how do you know it's a fugazi you looked at it for two seconds it's a fake yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. Forget about it, yo. Forget about it. Yo, my uh, Fugazi for week nine that I'm going to give out is, listen, you know, <laughs> he put it in my eye a couple weeks ago because um, three weeks ago, this cat ran for over 200 yards. Both rocks and speeds then said the next week on Fantasy Freestyle, the one thing we know won't happen <laughs> is that he won't run for over 200 yards. And what do you know? He ran for over 200 yards and he... He is now coming off a bye. I'm talking about Jay Ajayi. I thought you were talking about O.J. Simpson. Here's the thing. He's now going up against this New York Jets run defense. That New York Jets run defense that is number one in the league. And that's not like when the Packers were number one in the league. This is a front seven that is pissed off because uh, they were shopping Sheldon Richardson this week. And now, so he's going to be active. They're going to be trying to stop the run. They gave up only 75 yards a game against the run and here's the deal it's my same it's my same philosophy later in the season after 
after the bye, this is when different things are introduced in the running game. I know Adam Gaze said he wanted to focus on one guy and lock in, but I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised that after Ajayi cannot get it done inside against the Jets, I would not be surprised to see a little bit of Kenyon Drake, to see a little bit of Damian, Williams. Damian Williams. Absolutely. Them and be able to, and they've had a week to plan for this. Their plan is not going to be to, uh, run Jay Ajayi up the middle against the New York Jets. And that's all he's really good for doing. I think Jay Ajayi, week nine, Fugazi. Yo, uh, I will say that the Jets front seven is so stout that you can almost taste the roasted barley. And I will also say that I really, really like Williams on Miami. I don't know if he still has it. Last year he had an awesome flat top. Shout to him. My next Fugazi is Trevor Simeon, Ooh, the second right. quarterback. quarterback, in quarterback. The same and, game. and we've got really, really intelligent listeners to say nothing about how good-looking they are and well-liked they are by their friends and family. Um, so they probably were able to figure that out with the context clues. But probably. Trevor Simeon, seventy-two hundred on FanDuel. That's what you're charging. Yeah. I get it that the matchup looks great on paper, playing that Oakland Raiders pass defense. Right, but I've, I got messed up with it two times in a row. Yeah, I mean, and, Oakland, and there's reason why you would attack them. They're giving up 8.4 yards an attempt, fifth most yards a game. Simeon was not able to take advantage of a San Diego secondary that, if not for having played him twice, would right. probably be pushing Oakland for right. being the right. worst That's pass true. defense in the league. I've heard people talk about him, not just on the DFS radar, radar but as a potential legitimate QB1 streaming option this week. Stop it, Slime. I completely disagree with that. He has been showing why he is a seventh-round pick. He's from the Alex Smith school of being way too afraid to push the ball downfield and take a chance, which is fine if you're Alex Smith who doesn't turn the ball over, except Simeon has been turning the ball over. He's got only eight touchdown passes along with six turnovers. You can't do that if you're not scaring anyone. He's actually only completed two. One, two. Only two. One, two. Passes thrown more than 20 yards in the air. Derek Carr, who's not even a mad bomber in the Ken Stabler mold, already has 11 such completions. That's just simply not getting it done. He only has one game this season with multiple touchdown passes. He threw four against Cincinnati. Calling it right now. That's going to be his career game. Kubiak's expressing frustration. As a fan who's had to watch some Denver Broncos games, I'm expressing fr frustration. I don't think he's going to get benched in-game, but I think Trevor Simeon is more likely to lose his job after this week than to finish in the top 12 quarterbacks. Fugazi. Forget about him. Forget about him. Yo, that take brought to you by Rocks, who truth be told, has Paxton Lynch stashed on his roster, so maybe a vested interest in that, but he was right about the same kind of call when he made it about Ryan Fitzpatrick. My second Fugazi of the week is uh, Tyrod Taylor. Um, Tyrod? Yeah, yeah, because listen, here's T T-Mobile, because you remember how you didn't like Derek Carr even going up against that uh, Denver defense remember for, well. your, for your Fugazi. Dude, that was five minutes ago. My memory's not that bad. All right, all right, all right, fine. But check this out. And he has better weapons than Tyrod Taylor ever will. Wait, Tyrod. And he's going up against this Seattle defense on Monday Night Football in Seattle. That 12th man is going to be ready. And check it out. I used to think that Tyrod Taylor would get a lot of scramble yards and all that stuff. And he's, you know, he's done that from time to time. Last week, five carries, 48 yards, and a touchdown rushing. But I don't think that happens against this Seattle defense. And here's the other factor. Percy Harvin coming out of retirement, apparently, to play for the Bills. Interestingly enough, against Seattle, a team that he hates. Interestingly enough, for a coach, Rex Ryan, that somehow is still in love with that man, always wants Percy Harvin. They're going to find a way to get Percy Harvin the ball on some gadget plays and stuff like that, limiting the potential of T-Mobile to do some of that stuff. So I tamper even that gadget play and the rushing production, production and 
I think this game is going to be a blowout on Monday Night Football. Pick the Seahawks this week in your survivor pools. T-Mobile, Tyrod Taylor, Fugazi, forgot about it. Yo, man, there are convicted felons in Buffalo who have more weapons than Tyrod Taylor does. There are people who throw sex toys who have more weapons than Tyrod Taylor does as You could have well. had at least a strength coach catch that, maybe. I know, really, man. I, you know, there's footage of the uh, ref picking it up and going uh, off the field with it. Did he? Did the ref have gloves on? He went to the same room where they deflated the balls. Oh, man, the dark room. That's where they take people with concussions, too. Exactly. So just a bunch of deflated balls and a couple room. of, would you call them, dildos? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But, yo, check it out. Those were all the things you needed to know for week nine. Next week, Rox and I will be back. We'll check in on those gentlemen's bets. We'll give you the flagship for next week. We'll give you our spotlight games. That's how we do. We hope you like us dropping stats over beats. You keep your head bobbing because your neck know the entire time. That's Rox. I'm Speeds. Fantasy Freestyle. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We out. Vote, son. Vote. Oh, a